Welcome to the teaching ministry of Reverend JFK Mensah, a seasoned Bible teacher with over 40 years of ministry experience. He is a pastor, a church planter, a missionary, and an international conference speaker. He is passionate about making Christ-like disciples worldwide. JFK Mensah is the General Overseer of Great Commission Church International. May you be transformed as you listen to the Word of God. I want to address three issues. Number one, singleness. Number two, the basic differences between men and women. And number three, how to choose a marriage partner. Shall we pray? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the authority of the Scriptures. We thank you for the example of Jesus Christ and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in your church. We ask that you will speak to us concerning these topics with your authority from heaven in Jesus name. Amen. Last week we began our series on marriage and we considered the meaning and definition of Christian marriage. Then we talked about the importance and purpose of Christian marriage. And we finished off with an understanding of how the Christian marriage ought to work. The foundation stones upon which Christian marriage is built. Today, we are going to the second arena. We are looking at singleness. Then after that, we shall take a look at the basic differences between male and female, men and women, and top it up with how to choose a marriage partner, a godly marriage partner. So here we go. Number one, singleness. There are so many singles within the church, the house of God, that the topic needs to be addressed. Worldwide, more and more people are becoming single by choice 
by delayed marriages, by divorce, and by widowhood. Now, we all have to understand that there is a big difference between not being married at 20 and not being married at 30 and not being married at 50 and not being married at 60. There is also a difference between whether you are single by choice or you want to marry but God has not given you a marriage partner. So, we define singlehood as the state of not being married, having never married, or being divorced, and or being widowed without getting married again in the united states alone the number has risen to two out of five people in india there are over 21 million girls who have never married And the African situation is such that on the average one out of five girls may never get a marriage partner, may never marry. In the church, the situation is worse because on the average, 7 out of 10 church members are female. We do not have enough men in the congregations to marry them. And the few who get married tend to stay longer with their marriage partners, making it such that singlehood is becoming a reality we must face. This morning, I want to line up 10 of the most important things every single person, non-married person, has to keep in mind as a Christian. Number one, the greatest perfect human being who ever lived on this earth, Jesus Christ, never married. Therefore, the fact that you are not married does not mean you are a second class citizen in the house of God. 1 John 3, 2 says, When we see Jesus, we shall be like him. Jesus is the world's greatest leader and the church's greatest savior and lord. If he never married, 
then you have no right to have to feel self-pity and undue anxiety that you are not married. That's number one. Number two, marriage is not the final destiny of the Christian. The scriptures are clear in Matthew chapter 22 all the way from verse 30 to 33 and Mark chapter 12 verse 25 in particular that after death the resurrection bodies we have we neither marry nor are given in marriage forever and ever and ever and ever we are like angels and marriage is not an issue our only bridegroom is jesus christ therefore every single person has to understand that the final destiny of humankind is not marriage don't sell your birthright because of marriage I want to read Mark chapter 12 verse 25 in the ES version. For when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. Point number three. Every man and woman who comes on this earth has been sent by God with a calling, an assignment from heaven. And whether married or not married, you must fulfill that assignment. <laughs> Ephesians 2.10 says, We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in. Romans chapter 11 verse 29 says, the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. Look, John chapter 1 verse 6 says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came to bear witness to the light. John never married, but he fulfilled his calling. And Jesus said of all men born of women. He was the greatest in the Old Testament standards. You can still, in fact, you must fulfill God's call upon your life. Marriage or no marriage. In fact, the call of God on your life should determine who is your marriage partner. Not the other way around. You have no right to just sit down and wait so that when you are married, you can think more clearly. It's wrong as a born-again Christian. Jesus said in John 4, 34, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and finish his work. Number four. Some of the greatest people before God were not married. You are talking about Elijah. You are talking about Elisha. You are talking about Paul. 
you are talking about Barnabas. In Jeremiah chapter 16 verse 2, God specifically told Jeremiah, don't marry. This means that marriage itself is not in any way a license to becoming great in the eyes of God. Jeremiah chapter 16 verse 2. You shall not take a wife, nor shall you have sons or daughters in this place. But at the same time, marriage also does not prevent you from fulfilling God's call or being holy. Some of the holiest people in the whole of time have been married. Job was a married man. God said to Satan, Look, have you have not have you found anyone like Job, my servant? Perfect, eschewing evil. And Job was married. In Genesis chapter 6, when God looked through the whole earth, he found Noah to be perfect before him. And Noah was married. When Jesus died, he left the church in the hands of Peter. Peter was married. Therefore, marriage or no marriage is not an excuse. In fact, Hosea chapter 1 verse 2, God told Hosea, you go and marry a prostitute. So, we need to understand that our destiny is not tied up with marriage. You know, there are too many people who have made marriage a God. And because you are not married, you say, I'm not married. That's why I'm not doing this. I'm not married. That's why this. If I marry, I will do this. And so on. And some parent, one parent I went to, when I went to visit her in Togo, she said, she, I asked her how many children he had. She said one and a half. And I said, well, what do you mean by that? She said, ah, the first one is married, but the second one is not married. So she's a half person. It's wrong. We must not plant into the church the idea that when somebody is not married, the person is a half human being or the person cannot fulfill God's will. Marriage or no marriage must not stop us from being all that God wants us to be. Number five. Singlehood is a great opportunity heaven gives you. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 7, being single is a charismatic gift heaven gives you. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 7, I wish that all were as I myself am, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. Yes, and he used the Greek word charisma. To be single is a charismatic gift. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 19, verse 11 and 12, that in response to Peter's, uh, uh, Peter and his team said, oh, if the case of a man and a woman are like this, it's better not to marry. And Jesus said, not all men can receive this. But there are three categories of people who should not marry. Those who have been made eunuchs from their mother's womb, those who are made eunuchs by men. 
And those who make themselves eunuch, they don't marry for the sake of the kingdom of God and ministry. Matthew chapter 19, 11 and 12. But he said to them, Not everyone can receive this saying, but only those to whom it is given. For there are eunuchs who have been so from birth. And there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by men. There are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let the one who is able to receive this, receive it. Let the one who is able to receive this, receive it. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, from verse 32 to 34, Paul says that if you are not married, you are spared the trouble which married people go through. When you become married, you are disorganized as far as worshipping God is concerned. Because you need to face a husband or a wife. You must give account of your time, your food, the places you go to, uh, the dresses you wear. There is a second person always you carry along with you because of marriage. First Corinthians 7, 32-34 I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. Singlehood gives you opportunity to become more Christ-like, to master more of the Bible, to devote yourself to prayer, to ministry. Singlehood is an opportunity heaven gives you. When you marry, you never have that until one partner dies. So, if you are single, you must take hold of the opportunity and serve the Lord and give the Lord your body and your soul, your spirit, your commitment, and serve in the local church. Make sure that because you are you are not married, you are able to further your education, you are able to learn new skills, you are able to grow. Because once you get married, you are tied to a second person, and you cannot do that. Now, let me go to number six. Every unmarried person must reckon with the fact that because of singlehood you are more prone to sexual temptation and carrying more of the burdens of life because you are not married you feel more lonely and alone in this wide world. And you are attracted unusually to the opposite sex because you are free. And the opposite sex too, because they see that you are not married, you are single, they want to take advantage of it, draw near and stir up things around you. But it also means, if you are a single parent, you have to pay the bills alone. You have to pay school fees, water bill, electricity bill, 
yes, change your uh, fuel in your car, and you, you name it, because you are single. You bear the burden which two people ought to carry. Singlehood has its challenges. You have to keep that in mind and make a deliberate effort to keep yourself pure. Then number seven is when you are single, you enter an arena where you can prepare for marriage. Singlehood means visiting married couples, learning from their mistakes and their successes. Singlehood means preparing yourself to be a better servant and a better mate, partner to another godly person. Proverbs 19.14 says that houses and riches are inheritance from parents. But a prudent wife is from the Lord. Being prudent and wise as a wife doesn't fall from heaven. You must do homework on yourself. Proverbs 18.22 says, He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. You see? How do you find a good wife? The good wife must have been prepared to be a good wife. Proverbs 31 verse 11 says, A virtuous woman who can find her price is above rubies. How do you become a virtuous woman? It doesn't fall from heaven. You must work on yourself. Proverbs 12 verse 4 says that the a, a wise woman is a crown for the husband. But the foolish woman is rottenness in his bones. So you, the decision to be a better wife, a better husband, all come because while you are single, you are preparing yourself as a man. You know, Proverbs chapter 22, verses 24 and 25. It says, make no friendship with an angry man. And with a furious man, thou shalt not go. Lest you learn his ways and get a snare to your soul. While you are not yet married, that's the time to work on your anger. You see, if you don't work on your anger when you are not married as a man, you marry, you start slapping your wife. You start kicking her. And small thing, you get angry and throw tables and chairs and knives at your wife and children. Why? When you were single, you did not work on yourself. Proverbs chapter 22, 24 to 25. Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. Okay? Now, I want to switch over and talk about the basic differences between men and women. You know, when I got married, the first two years of my marriage life, I couldn't preach about marriage in the church because my own marriage was a frustration. I, I remember I was one day on the motorway, Accra, the highway to Accra to go and preach. And my wife was carrying our little baby and the baby started playing with the gear of the car. I was at top speed. So I told her, please, keep her hands. Because the gear is the life of man. Anything happens to your gear when you are speeding, then you are in for death. 
The second time I saw her, the child, the baby girl, stretching her hand again to touch the gear. And something welled up within me. Slap her! Slap her! Immediately the thing came. I said, no, I'm backsliding. Because I was the Volta regional pastor for our church. I was a tongue-speaking, born-again Christian. I Holy Spirit-filled Christian. And I was overseeing over 20 pastors and 40 congregations. And something is telling me, slap your wife. If that's not backsliding, I don't know the meaning of the word. So when I got back home, at first I thought the words actually came out of my mouth. But my wife later told me that you didn't say it. So I didn't hear. So it was in my heart, like Sarah laughed within her heart. You know? And I fell on my face and said, God, this marriage thing, I don't understand. I knew I courted my wife and we were in relationship for four and a half years before we got married. How, how else do you know a girl? Then, the Lord brought me to Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. When I read it, the words just rose up and slapped me in the face. He said, male and female created he them in the image of God made he him. And it just sank into my spirit and my understanding that from the beginning, Genesis chapter 1, God made men different from women forever. No man is a woman. No woman can be a man forever. So, for the next months, I started studying the difference between women and men. I won't bore you with the details, but I can list for you 10 of them. Number one, the man, the male, has been built to be physically stronger than the woman. Even though the woman is stronger internally than the man. What does that mean? The muscles of a man from your waist up is the muscles are two times the kind of muscles women have. And from your waist down the woman is two thirds less strong, muscular than the man. Now, the build of our hips, the woman's hip has been built to be wider and the man's hips narrower to give him opportunity for strength. Not only that, you will see that the body mass of a man typically is heavier than that of a woman. And that includes, among other things, basic differences in the way the woman has been built for pregnancy, 
childbearing. All these things have been designed and put into a, a woman. First Peter chapter 3 verse 7 says, Husbands, dwell with your wives according to knowledge. Because they are the weaker vessel. And give them honor as joint heirs of eternal life. I want to read first so Peter chapter 3 verse 7. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. Yes. Since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. You see, he uses the Greek word asthenes, which means without strength. The woman is weaker than the man. No wife is a boxing mate for a man. So you see, even in the Olympic Games, the standards for women is different from that for men. All the stretching races, boxing, short put, javelin, uh, 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 you know, pole vault, all those things, they, everybody knows that the woman competes, but not according to the same measure that the man does. Because of, because on the average, all men have been built physically to be stronger than. You get one out of 500 women as strong as the average man, but it is rare. Now, in this message, I do not have the time to talk about the implications. But internally, the woman has been built to be strong inside. So, for example, a six-month premature baby girl has greater chances of surviving than a six-month premature baby boy. Because by the six months, his testicles and co have not descended. You know, a lot of small, small things. And apart from about three different diseases, breast cancer and, you know, three of them, almost every sickness in this world kills a man first or a baby boy first before the baby girl. God sends on the average 103 baby boys to every 100 girls who are born in this world. But because of death, on the average worldwide, women outlive men for about four or five years on the average because they are more resistant inside than the physical strength. Now, I can tell you about the second one. The second difference we call the physiological differences. The body system of a man has been wired differently from the body system of a woman. This is why men don't become pregnant, men don't have their menstrual period, men don't have menopause, men don't have breasts, men don't breastfeed. Men, you see, why? Because God has built into the woman certain hormones we call them hormones, which like estrogen, the amount of estrogen in a woman is about 14 times the amount that is in a man. So, 
the secretions, the things which are pumped into a woman month by month are different from what is pumped into a man month by month. Testosterone, for example, in the man is about nine times what is in the woman. This is the reason why when you change your sex, they need to inject you with hormones regularly which belong to the other sex in order to keep you going. Now, let me quickly rush over the rest of the differences because of the time. Number three, mentally. Women are different mentally from men. It doesn't mean they are intellectually weaker, but they have been, their brains have been fashioned in such a way that they are more comfortable, for example, with communication. A girl of 14 years is able to pick languages faster than a boy of 14 years. You see, because of the way we, our minds have been wired, there are certain subjects boys enjoy, but girls do not. It doesn't mean they cannot, but here and there you see a girl doing, being a painter, for example, or a woman driving a taxi, and so on. But, you see, the way we have been wired mentally is different. Then number four, emotionally. The way we feel is different. The span of feeling for what a woman goes through in childbirth breastfeeding, those things, they make the span of the woman's feeling bigger, broader, more intense than that of a man. You know? And men tend to be more rational. They want to argue and reason out a matter before they take the step. Women tend to be more emotional. They add their feeling to their thinking. So when there is a death case and you, the husband, your brother has died, you see that you put on dark goggles and you go about how to buy a coffin, how to arrange for the body to be sent to the morgue, and your wife, who is not the direct relative of the dead person, and you see them when the chief and kings come out. They are the ones who go around. A man typically doesn't want to express his emotions like that. In a very short time, the woman will weep. And then she will laugh. And then she will. So because they are in, the emotion is tied up with the way they reason. And it makes it such that they use more of what we call intuition. Number five is the way we talk. On the average, a woman speaks 25,000 words a day. And the man speaks 10,000 words a day on the average. Now, that means that the average woman talks two and a half times more than the man. So many men complain. Oh, these women, they talk too much. Oh, this women. And, and you meet a woman 
who is in a hurry and she's going to the market and she meets another woman who's also in a hurry. She's sending her child to school and they meet. They say, how are you? Oh, quick, I'm going to the market. They say, oh, I'm taking this boy to school. And then they ask, uh, your husband, uh, last time you told me, and for one hour, they are talking. You know? And the type priorities, that's another one, number six. The things which men count important, women have other things they consider important. You know, your plates in the house, your in-laws, whether or not you have a child. You see? And your golden trinkets. Yes. And the way, beauty. Yeah, 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 yeah. When a woman goes to buy a shoe, she considers whether it is matching with her dresses. She doesn't think of how long it will last. Even if she wear that shoe for just one occasion, a wedding, and if she will not use it again, she will invest in it. But the man, when he goes to buy a shoe, you want to buy a shoe that will last you for 10, 15 years. You see? Guarantee. You know? So, and then there are sexual differences between men and women. You see? The man provides 23 chromosomes in a typical uh, birth case. And these chromosomes for the man, they are called X and Y. But the woman provides XX. No woman in the world determines the sex of the child you have. Every child you have is the man who determines because you provide other an X then it will, the woman will bring an X and it's a girl. Or you provide a Y and the woman will bring her same X and it will be XY, a boy. Never blame your wife for giving you only boys or girls. She is not the cause. We are basically different. And I wouldn't want to exhaust that list. Let me finish off with how to choose a marriage partner. Next to accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, the most important single decision you will ever take on earth is whom to marry. Therefore, you need to pray about it, you need to think through it, and you need to work through it and be careful in your choice. Let me give you, I'm trying to give you my final list of 10 things you, you need as a rule of thumb in choosing a marriage partner. Number one, make sure that the marriage partner you are choosing is born again. 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. 1 Corinthians 7.39 It says that the widow or widower can marry again, but only in the Lord. Never say, I will marry this brother and change him. Or I will marry this sister and change her. It will not happen. If the person is not already born again and changed, you cannot do the changing. 
Number two, find out if your partner loves God more than you. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 to 40. Jesus said, the greatest commandment is this. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your might. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's the second commandment. So, the first and greatest commandment is love for God. If you want to marry somebody and the person doesn't love God more than you, you have got it wrong because the fact that the person loves you so much that he can disobey God means you, you are, there is a disaster. A day is coming when he will hate you so much that he won't fear God and he will leave you. And there are many things in the marriage he won't look on God before he takes his decisions. Number three, never rush into the choice of a marriage partner. According to Sons of Solomon, chapter 8, verse 4 to 7, love is as strong as death and hatred is as cruel as the grave. Don't stay or awaken love until at the right time. You need to see, if you notice that, hey, you feel attracted to this sister, and you feel like proposing to her, then you feel, you see another sister, you feel attracted, there is not love. It's lust. Some of it is infatuation. You see? You see the girl or brother, and it's like you are falling in love. You will die if you don't marry this girl. Go slow. Slow down. Slow down because you need to test it in First Corinthians, Second uh, Samuel, eh, chapter thirteen. There is a pathetic story of Amnon and Tamar, and Amnon loved his half sister Tamar in quotes with such intensity that he fell sick and pretended that the lady should come and cook uh, for him. And when he caught her and raped her, he hated her more than the love he had for her. That is not godly love. It is lust. This means that you can actually see a lady and fall in love with her and it's like you have gone gaga. If you don't marry, wow, oh, it's the Lord. But on investigation, is somebody's wife. Is it the Lord who spoke to you? No, it's your own lust that is talking to you. You see? So whenever you are attracted to the opposite sex, go slow, go slow, go slow. That's the time to pray. That's the time to read your Bible. That's the time to seek the Holy Spirit and ask. That's the time to ask the unpleasant questions. Do your research. Who is that? Where, how, for how long has she been a Christian? What is her call in life? And find out, you know, how faithful is she? Find out. And then you, the lady too, find out. Does the man pay his tithes? If he can rob God, he will rob you. 
You see? You find out. If he is stingy, he will be stingy in the house. You, you need to check all these things. Check, the, is the person sexually pure? You know? If the person wants to insist that I love you so much, I must kiss you. I love you so much, I want to embrace you. I love you so much, I want to sleep with you. In fact, my, ah, it's so intense. Then it means it's not love. Because if it were love, the person will not seek to destroy your purity, your virginity, before marrying you properly. What is the profit? You see, what is the profit? You know, because out of that sex act may come pregnancy, may come abortion, may, and the boy can damage you forever. I tell most girls that, look, when you sleep with a man, the effect is lingering to the, your grave. Because First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16 says, if you sleep with a prostitute, you become one flesh with her. So in the same way, whenever you perforate, you sleep with somebody, your soul is hooked onto the person forever. Even after marriage, 20, 30 years into marriage, you will see that you still remember your first boyfriend. You still remember the person who broke your virginity. You, therefore, it's a locking of your soul. Don't try it. And immediately the person is asking for that. It's a sign to you that no, this is not God. This is not God. Number four, as part of your caution, whenever you are getting a marriage partner, you need to work on God's call on your life and God's call on that person's life. If you, you have been called to children's ministry and you marry a lady who cannot tolerate children, maybe she see children, then she knock them, go. Don't look at dirty, dirty hair. No, you are coming to make my whole dirty. No, 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 no. The woman will destroy your ministry to children. That's it. If you are an evangelist and you marry a woman who doesn't like moving from place to place, woman to you. You see? That's it. So in the choice, you must understand that Christian marriage is till death do us part. Number five. Please, take time to consider the marriage vow before you enter. In the marriage vow, in the presence of God and witnesses, you are going to vow that I am taking this man, this woman, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, till death do us part. And Ecclesiastes chapter 5 from verse 1 to 5 says, don't be hasty when you enter the presence of God to just say anything. He has no pleasure in fools. It's better not to vow than to vow when you know you cannot keep it. When you are entering marriage, you must enter with a mind that I am not coming out of this marriage no matter what. You must enter with an understanding that I am swearing before God and these witnesses that 
I will hang on and keep on keeping on. Then, let me take the last one. Number six. Please, only consider for a marriage partner somebody who can be your friend for life. When you are entering marriage, you are choosing a marriage partner. Consider somebody who can be your friend for life. Somebody who can help you to become more like Jesus. Somebody who can help you to grow spiritually. Your, the marriage partner, the man has the power of choice to marry a girl. But the woman has the power of acceptance. You decide whether or not you are going to enter the marriage. If you cannot have that person for a friend, it is better to stay unmarried than to enter a bad marriage. God bless you in Jesus. Shall we pray? Our Father, we are asking that you will speak more than these words into the marriages of your children. Holy Spirit, I pray that every home hearing my voice and every single person, single who have never married, single widows, single divorced people who are listening to my voice, I speak now in the name of Jesus that the balm of Gilead will be poured on their hearts, that every anxiety, every thought and worry about marriage will be laid on the cross in the name of Jesus and that grace will be given to them grace will be given to them grace into every home into every home in the name of Jesus healing that the singles in our church will heal up. and the homes that are struggling with differences between men and women will heal up. and our youth on the verge of choosing a marriage partner Lord, may you speak to them by the power of the Holy Spirit and the anointing upon the word of God that they will take the right decision. In Jesus' name, amen. Follow JFK Mensa Ministries on Facebook and YouTube and invite others to listen to his podcast. You can also access some of JFK Mensa's books and keep up with his ministry at www.jfkmensaministries.org God bless you.